guys, do we see the seriousness of this? So often we see the carnage in our culture, in our homes, in our marriages, etc. And we, you know, we try to blame this and we blame that and we go, oh, there's the root. And as I've learned over the years and I'm still learning, sometimes it's just a matter of me looking in the mirror. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. As we magnify your name, as we lift your name on high, as we worship you, Holy Father, we pray that you would stir in our midst. Lord, we pray you'd grab a hold of us right now and by your power, by your strength, by your enabling, Lord, do a work that only you can do. And so, Father, we just simply pray, would you clothe us right now in your spiritual armor. Help us to see truth from deception, truth from error. Help us to see clearly, to fall madly in love with you, O oh God, and to praise the one who took our place. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't pay some, but you paid it all. And so, Father, we give this time to You. And we pray this in the name that's above every name. In the name of King Jesus do we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, looking at one verse today, verse 7. And here we are, guys. It's our turn. On the chopping block, I know last week we unpacked the word uh, toward the ladies that Peter had instructed, and so here we are today, and I pray that we are open-hearted with an open Bible, and here's what the Word of God says in 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 verse, verse 7, likewise, husbands... This is the audience. Live with your wives in an understanding way. How? Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Why? So that your prayers may not be hindered. What a powerful, powerful verse that I believe so often gets neglected. There is something about obedience. There's something about living in a righteous manner. There is something about pursuing holiness, men, talking to me and you this morning, that when we pursue these things, God blesses those pursuits. It's just that simple. When we 
pursue, when we run hard after, when we look towards being like Christ, when we look towards having the mind of Christ, men, God blesses that. Now, does it mean, men, that everything's going to work out in your life like you would like it to? Not necessarily. We saw last week from 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 through 6, that this complementing, if you will, this teamwork between husband and wife is so mission critical. And we saw very clearly in those six verses as Peter unpacked that, that he was appealing to the ladies, to the woman. He's saying, look, make sure, make sure that you're not falling into the trap of external beauty, but that you will dive headfirst, I mean headfirst, into the glorious riches of being a Christ-following wife. And we learned from last week that there are occasions where the Lord will use that. He will use your witness, your example. Wife today, if you are in a situation where your husband is not a Christ follower, God can use those situations through your obedience, through your respect, through your gentleness, even in the midst of struggle. He can actually use that as a catalyst to bring your husband to the cross of Jesus Christ. I've seen that happen over and over, many times throughout my years. Hey, dude, how'd you come to know the Lord? When did you give your life to the Lord? Oh, man, you know, I was running over here and running over there. I was partying over here and partying over there and everywhere in between. And then my wife, who had given her life to the Lord began to witness to me through her respect and gentleness and kindness. It's amazing how the Lord blesses man and woman as they simply follow Him and His Word. See, guys, it's up to us as the pastor of our homes. Every man who's here today you are the pastor of your home. That is your God-ordained responsibility. If you're a single mom here today, that you are the shepherd of that home. But men, we got to understand this. The most important thing we will ever do, the most important thing we will do after we give our lives to Christ is to begin to work the mission field of our families. It's much easier to go on a mission trip than to pastor our families. And God's calling us to work the mission field of our families. To be that man that says, I will stand in the gap. I will be that man that will stand for truth. I will be that man that pursues holiness. I will be that man that pursues righteousness. I will be that man. I will be the man. And yet in a culture gone wild, that's hard because so many of us men are overworked, we're overstressed, and we're challenged from this and challenged from that, and 
we begin to lose focus on this path of Christ-likeness. And right here in this one verse, we see so beautifully, man, that you and I can implement today. We can start this today. Remember, as one man said, failure in itself is not the issue. It's what you do next that matters. And so if you're here today, man, and you read these verses and you're going, man, I'm a loser. Join the club, right? I mean, mean, we're all struggling. We're all a mess. We're all broken. We all have challenges. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. So today, you and I, man, we can begin to implement these biblical doctrines and teachings into our families today. And so here's what the Word says in verse 7. Let's unpack this together. As I pray, we'll understand the beauty of the gospel. Likewise, so Peter addressed the lady, the wife, and now he's addressing the man, the husband. He says, husbands, okay, wait a minute, there's two commands here, two. Live or dwell with your wives, how? In an understanding way. Now, men, let's just get honest, okay? It's just me and you in the room, so let's get honest. Often, one of our strengths as men is not the gift of patience, amen? It can be very easy to become frustrated. Very easy to become upset. And here, Peter's saying, look, if you really want a healthy God-honoring marriage, he says, husband, take the lead in this. And he says, look, lead with excellence, and begin to shepherd your wife. Uh, There's not a woman that I can think of who does not want to be shepherded by her husband spiritually. There is something, (laughs) there is something about that. As our wives are craving security and stability, that's just not from a physical protection standpoint, but most importantly, from a spiritual protection standpoint. That, men, you guard your home. That you are the guard of your home. You guard your home with a ferocious tenacity. No, we're not letting that junk in here. Uh Uh-uh, not on my watch. No, we're not going to do this or go there or say this or whatever it might be. You guard your home because you are the spiritual soldier at the doorstep. And part of that guarding is to be understanding. It actually means this in the original language. It means this to know your wife. To know her. To know her wiring. To know her needs. As dudes, though, we're not real good at this, are we, guys? I know I'm not. But anything that is of value takes work. The grass is not greener on the other side. Mm-mm-mm. The grass is greener where you water it and where you prune it, where you fertilize it, and where you yank the weeds out by the root. First command from Peter here is to love our wives in an understanding, to know them very intimately. What makes them tick? 
is what we might ask. What is it that they need from us spiritually today? Have you ever asked your wife that? What do you need from me spiritually? Often as guys, man, we're, we're good providers, aren't we? Man, we work hard, we work long hours, we kind of got that one buttoned up. But so often it's the things that really matter in life that I know I'm guilty of not doing. Remember men today, remember men, put a big smile on your face right now. Failure in itself is not the issue, it's what we do next that matters. And the beauty of this is is we can correct the course today. What's the second command Peter gives us here? Showing honor to the woman. It means this to demonstrate her value and her worth. Again, kind of think through that. So we're going to live in an understanding way, men. Not going to be so frustrated and impatient. Going to know her needs spiritually, especially begin to pastor that, shepherd that, help cultivate that, help grow that in the Lord. And oh, wait a minute, we want to show honor. We want to show that worth and that value. Because guys, you got to remember this. Our ladies and then also our wives, so I want to broaden this for a moment, they are hearing a message from the culture 24-7, 365, that you are only as valuable as how you look on the outside. That's what they're hearing, like, constantly. And we need to be men that undo that narrative. There's value, there's worth. There's an understanding that goes on here. And when they see, when they see this, Prayerfully, we will then end up on the doorstep of this last thought in this first part of verse 7. It says this in your Bible in front of you, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Now think through this for a moment. They're a joint heir. A believing husband, a believing wife is a powerful combination. It is a dynamite duo. And I get this. There are some that perhaps don't have that. And again, maybe you're the lady today, the woman today that, that you're actually spiritually leading in your home. That maybe there's a lot of discord and division in your world in that marital relationship. And my, my heart goes out to you. But my heart breaks for you. My encouragement to you is don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Continue to obey, continue to pursue God, continue to live for righteousness, continue to live for holiness, continue, continue, because God blesses that obedience. Join heirs. That's why key number one, write it down. Here it is, key number one. When a husband's heart is soft and tender toward Jesus... His heart will be soft and tender toward his wife. Let me say that again. When a husband's heart is soft and tender, very key, soft and tender toward Jesus, no pridefulness, just humility, his heart will be soft and tender toward his wife. 
Remember, church, everything's an outflow. If I can get you to focus on one point, it would be this. Everything's an outflow. When my heart, your heart, and this, by the way, is for both men and women. When our hearts are soft and tender, it does something. It does something in our own lives, but it does amazing things in those that we minister to. There is something about a soft and tenderness. And I get this, guys. You're going, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? Soft and tender dudes? Like, how does that even, like, make any sense? Well, to the world, it doesn't make any sense. But we don't operate according to the world. We operate according to Scripture. And if you really want your marriage to thrive, if I want my marriage to thrive, we will become men. We will become men that understand our wives, that love them well, that honor them, show them their worth in Christ. And what happens? Prayerfully, that leading and shepherding in a soft and tender way will also now be reciprocated from the wife to the husband. And now you've got a powerful stick of dynamite that can be used for God's glory. I was thinking about Ephesians uh, chapter 5, 25 through 29. And Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. Listen to what he says here. Ephesians 5, 25 through 29. Husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wow. I mean, the bar is high, isn't it? What's the why here? That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Don't miss that. So that, another why, he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Why? That she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way. So, We're sitting there for a moment going, man, that is just like crazy. In the same way, husbands, me, you, should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves the wife loves himself. For no one hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Guys, this is to me and it's to you. It's from the Word. Here's what it says one more time. Husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wow. What a crazy mountain to climb. But aren't you glad that we don't have to climb it by ourselves? Guys, when you're a true Christ follower, the way that gets accomplished is not by me and you pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. That's what the enemy wants us to do. Put God on the shelf. Hey, okay, roll up our sleeves. What can we do to achieve this? We will never get to that mountaintop. But with God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. Remember, guys, failure in itself is not the issue. It's what we do next today that matters. And guys, hear my heart on this. It matters for all eternity. What a privilege it is to to live as Christ would love the church. 
Guys, are we working on our hearts as much as we work on our hobbies? You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. Daniel Aiken said this recently. Men, you say you will die for your wife, but will you wash the dishes? Sinclair Ferguson said it in a more theological framework. He said it like this, spiritual growth depends on two things, a willingness to live according to the Word of God and a willingness to take whatever consequences emerge as a result, end quote. I mean, I'm telling you, if we begin to live for the Word, if we begin to live under the Word, if we begin to be men of the Word, we will get changed from the inside out. Our homes will begin to get changed from the inside out. Our community prayerfully will begin to get changed from the inside out. And oh, how I pray, I pray with passion and fervency that our country would get changed from the inside out. But man, it's up to us that we would lead well and shepherd well in the most important mission field there is called our marriages and our homes. So what's the why behind this first part of verse 7? Well, let's look at the last part of verse 7. Here it is, right in Scripture. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Prayers. What is prayer? Is it just a rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yea, God? I mean, what is prayer? Well, it's two-way communication where, as one person said, God does most of the talking and we do most of the listening. It's crying out to God saying, God, that I don't want to try to strong-arm you and bend you and say, come on, God, come over here and, and, and you know, take care of my will and my needs and my little kingdom. No, it's actually just the opposite. It's where we lay our will, our needs, our little kingdoms on the altar, and we say, God, I don't want my will any longer. I want you to conform me to your will. And as we live in that prayer... Most of the time when we pray, I would venture to say that when you pray, that you're praying that God will answer your prayer. And there are times that God says yes, there are times that God says no, and as you know, there are times, many times, that God says wait. And in the midst of the waiting men, that can be some of the greatest worship, <laughs> the greatest worship. As you begin to praise the one who took your place and he's not answering how you might want answered in that particular time and you just say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk by faith. 
I know this isn't working out in the temporal like I would like, but oh, we got to get away from this horrible theology that is so pervasive across our country today. And it's this theology that's man-centered that it says something like this, that if things are going well, you must be in the center of God's will. You talk about anti-biblical theology. When I open up this book, I just see example after example of things not going well. And yet men and women of strong, fervent faith said, I will not bend, I won't buckle, I won't break. I will swing for the fence for Jesus, and if it costs me everything, I'm still going to praise the one who took my place. Man, this is serious, this last part here. I hope that I and you aren't playing around with this last part of this verse. Because when it says this in the original, so that your prayers may not be hindered, it really says it like this, so that your prayers will not be cut off. I don't know if that's sinking in. But men and women, I pray none of us ever get to a point where the vertical communication has been seared and severed in two. That is one of the most frightening things I can think of. Men, do you see how important this is that we walk in humility and obedience towards God first? And then that vertical communication and surrender now fleshes itself out horizontally to our wives, even to our families. Grudem said it like this, So concerned is God that Christian husbands live in an understanding and loving way with their wives that He interrupts His relationship with them when they are not doing so. No Christian husband should presume to think that any spiritual good will be accomplished by his life without an effective ministry of prayer. And no husband may expect an effective prayer life unless he lives with his wife in an understanding way bestowing honor on her. To take the time to develop and maintain a good marriage is God's will. It is serving God. It is a spiritual activity pleasing in his sight, end quote. Wow. Guys, do we see the seriousness of this? So often we see the carnage in our culture, in our homes, in our marriages, etc., and we, you know, we try to blame this, and we blame that, and we go, oh, there's the root, and as I've learned over the years, and I'm still learning, sometimes it's just a matter of me looking in the mirror. You think about key number two, and here it is. When a husband's heart is calloused towards his wife, his prayers are hindered, period. When a husband's heart is calloused towards his wife, his prayers are hindered. Can someone shout yikes? 
prayer is not a last resort. Prayer is our first resort. That's our only lifeline. And husbands, I'm I'm talking to me and you right now. I'm going to ask us a hard question. Husbands, are our prayers hitting the ceiling currently? You know, it's interesting when you think about this concept of revival. Uh, If you're inside a church house and someone asks, hey, who wants revival? You'd have to be a raging idiot to not raise your hand, amen? The deeper I investigate this revival concept, the narrative that I continue to see, though, is who first really is willing to pursue holiness, to deny self, to take up their cross, to follow Him, and to crawl upon that altar and be the kindling that starts the revival. Men, sin is nothing to be trifled with. There's no such thing, men, as innocent sin. It doesn't exist. And as we think about this towards our wives, if our heart is maybe in the initial stages of being hardened and calloused, there's some plaque buildup, if you will. Guys, remember, it's, the issue is not failure in itself. It's what we do next starting right now that matters. See, this is the glorious hope of the beauty of the gospel. I hope you latch on to this thought here. This is the glorious hope of the beauty of the gospel. This is men and women. It doesn't matter what we've done. It matters what Christ did. And because Christ paid our penalty, when you truly give your life to Him, we bask in the grace and the mercy, but do we go on sinning that grace may abound? And the answer emphatically from Paul in Romans chapter 6 is certainly not exclamation point. So there's hope. If we want to give our lives to Christ today and make it true and real, there is hope in the power of the gospel. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's what's so awesome that we just, we lift high the name of Jesus, don't we? We just lift high the name of Jesus. We exalt the word. We exalt the truth of God's word. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, He does the convicting work in my heart, in your heart, in someone else's heart. He does the work that only He can do. Well, let's go to the truth for a moment here and just look at a couple verses. In case you're wondering if sin really can and does hinder my prayer life. Write down Psalm 66, 18. Write this down, Psalm 66, 18. Here's what the psalmist writes. If I had cherished, it means this to cling to, to hold fast to, the iniquity in my heart, the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But it's so easy to hang on to sin, isn't it? Unconfessed sin, rationalized sin, denied sin. Right there from God's Word, it says He's not going to listen It's la, 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 peanut butter, peanut butter. He's not hearing us. The prayer line's getting severed. That line's getting snipped. God's not going to listen. How about Isaiah 59 verse 2? 
Isaiah 59, verse 2. But your iniquities, your sin, have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not hear. There are individuals, there's families, there's ball teams, there's businesses and churches that live in perpetual sin and rebellion. And God goes, I'm not listening. My hand's against the proud. If you just humble yourselves, I'll open the windows of heaven. And men, for you and I today, we need to take heed to God's Word. When we live in perpetual sin that's not confessed, there isn't any contrition, we just rationalize it, make excuses, blame other people, whatever it is, God is actually shutting His ears to the cries of our heart. I guess let me ask first, any bank robbers in the room? Bank robbers? Um, You know, if you rob banks and then you went before the judge... What do you think the judge would say if he goes, okay, um, you've been caught, we're going to sentence you, what have you learned from this? What do you think the judge would say to you, to I, who's in that position, and we respond, you know what, judge, I'm going to try to do better. I mean, there's something motivating about big consequences, aren't there? And so often in the human realm, and I'm guilty of this, we... We think we're getting away with these little sins, the attitudes, the pushback, the rebellion. And God is just simply giving us a Heisman stiff arm as He opposes us and doesn't listen. Dane Ortland said it like this. Listen closely, church, to these powerful words. This is powerful. None of us is ever in neutral. Right now, every one of us who is in Christ is either killing sin or being killed by it. We're either getting stronger or getting weaker. If you think you're coasting, you're actually going backward. There's no cruise control spiritually. It may feel as if you're currently in neutral, but our hearts are like gardens. If we aren't proactively rooting, rooting out the weeds, the weeds are growing even if we don't notice. Wow. Guys, I don't know where you are, but I pray where you are is running hard after Jesus. As Addison Leach said, when the will of God cuts across the will of man, someone must die. And guys, that's my appeal to me today and my appeal to you. That we need some men that are willing to die. That are willing to count everything else as loss. And just to be so in love with Jesus... And to begin to repent and we humble ourselves and we come together as a band of brothers and we begin to live a life that honors the Lord individually in our marriages, in our homes, at the workplace, at the church house. We begin to be those people. Because the old saying is so true, if we attempt to manage our sin, our sin will manage us. And the bottom line is this, that we do what we want to do. We just don't try to do better 
Here's what I need to do more, and I pray that you will join me in this. We will begin to abide in the true vine Jesus. We'll just look to Him in every situation, every circumstance. And the Bible says this. This is a promise from God's Word in John 15. It says this, that abide in the true vine, which already tells us there must be a bunch of false vines out there. Don't tether to the false vines. When they look so good, they look so real, they look so true, but no, we stay tethered to the true vine. And then the Word says this, because the true vine's Jesus, and then you will bear much fruit. This is not about working for God. This is about staying tethered to Jesus. And we just look unto Jesus. We cast off all the sin and every weight that so easily ensnares us. And what do we do? Looking unto Jesus, we run the race. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And now he's at the right hand of the Father. Man, that's my appeal to me and you today. Because men rationalized, accepted, living in denial, sin subtly sinks its fangs into our souls we often are oblivious to it or simply living in denial. But the poison, men, is slowly and methodically killing us. That's why, men, we are either moving towards Christ or away from Him. Only one or the other. We're either growing in God's Word or we're dying apart from God's Word. We are either becoming more intimate with Christ through prayer or becoming more isolated from God as we neglect prayer. We're either becoming a disciple of Jesus or we're becoming a disciple of the culture. We are either pastoring our families in the Word and our families are being pastored in a way that honors God or our families are being pastored by the world. No, oh, I pray that we would become... Men, men today that would no longer look towards the world for our hope and our identity and our security and what job title we have and where's the corner office and how can we impress to get security that we've been perhaps looking for for decades and we begin to understand God's Word and be humble and coachable and teachable and it would start right there in the mission field of our families and we become men with tender, soft hearts, men with humble hearts, because humility is actually strength under control. Oh, I pray that for me today. And I pray that for every man here today. That we would be like Christ. That we would know that the way up is actually down. That you win by losing, you live by dying. And it's okay to wash the dishes, amen? Final thought. And this is a powerful one. KEC said it like this. A glow stick shines in the pitch of night only after it has been broken. Don't miss that. A glow stick only shines in the pitch of night after 
It's broken. Church, you can never truly give your life to Christ until you're broken. And as MacArthur said, the hardest person to lead is a false Christian. Oh man, I pray today. I pray you're in. I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit right now as the Holy Spirit's moving in this place. I pray the enemy would have no foothold, that his lies and his deceptions, his vices, his schemes would all come to nothing. I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that there will be men in this room that are going to shout, I'm in. I'm in for the gospel. To go make a difference. To set the tone. To give glory to God in all we do. Amen? Father, we come before You. and Lord, as we lift this up, Lord, I pray right now we would just simply focus on the beauty of the gospel. Oh, how beautiful it is. Oh, how beautiful it is. Oh, man, I pray for us today. What a glorious way to live the gospel. Then to begin today to honor our wives, to understand them, and therefore having our prayers no longer be hindered. So Father, would You move in this place? Maybe there's a man here today that You have spoken to. And that man says, I need to repent. Will You give him courage today, Father? Give him courage to do that today. Maybe there's a woman here today. And over these last couple weeks as we've studied this thought of marriage from 1 Peter chapter 3, that maybe You've spoken to her heart. And she says, I need to repent today. God, you bless repentance. God, forgive us for theology that doesn't line up with your word when we often live a life that we don't understand the biblical principle that repentance is not a one-time thing. Repentance is a lifetime thing. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all struggle every day, therefore we need to repent every day and turn and grow in that and walk forward. Lord, help us as we stumble forward. Give us Your grace and mercy. Holy Spirit, may You move in this place today like never before. Open our eyes spiritually. Open our ears spiritually. For those that are spiritually lame, I pray they can begin to walk today. Oh God, do the work. We continue to pray for the breakthrough. May you do it in me, and may you do it now. To you be the praise, Father. To you be the glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download 
at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.